Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count. With Carl Truman, Todd Pruitt, and Amy Bird. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Welcome to Mortification of Spin. I'm Amy Bird, the housewife theologian. I'm here with my usual co-host, the pipe-smoking pastor Todd Pruitt of Covenant Presbyterian PCA Church in Harrisonburg, Virginia, and the professor, Carl Truman from Grove City College. How that, you sounds, that sounds like a good uh, villain name, the professor. <laughs> the professor. <you> know? <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I'm here stroking my white cats. And- mm-hmm, the candlestick mm-hmm. in the yes. library. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, so we were going to talk about a couple things today. Um, I've just been noticing how repulsive it is to go on Twitter lately. It's, it's almost hard to, to even take, and especially Christian Twitter. Um, last place I would want to send an unbeliever, <laughs> it would be into my Twitter feed because mm-hmm. it just seems so angry mm-hmm. lately. Um, but there's people telling everyone how to think. There's a lot of name calling. There's all kinds of false dichotomies. Lots and, of false choices. Yep. Yeah, and and what I'm and what I'm really seeing is, you know, how not only are, is everyone trying to be provocative, um, but they're also very self-important, yeah. and all this way that we're changing how we communicate. Like now, there are less blogs, even which people used to complain about blogs, mm-hmm. <laughs> but at least there was some more thoughtfulness, right, um, in blogging and. Um, and now there's a lot less thoughtfulness and engagement in conversation, a lot less nuance. Yeah. Um, and, and there's this appearance of, of the tweet thread, mm-hmm. and, which is replacing blogging Blogs. because yeah. you can get more likes and, and mm-hmm. people can read it even faster and agree or disagree yeah. viciously. Right. And, and form I, and their think, tribes. And I think a big problem with that is, you know, because like you said, it was just a few years ago, people were complaining about blogs. Because it was just so quick to write a blog. Well, now that seems right. like uh, I miss the know, blogs. Y- yeah, and and you're you know now blogging looks like uh, highly responsible journalism <laughs> uh, <laughs> compared to what's going on with Twitter. Because at least with a blog post, you know it might take you at least ten minutes, you know, to write the thing. But but with Twitter, you can do it in ten seconds. Uh, which, yeah, which means at any given moment, I don't have to actually reflect on mm-hmm. the matter I'm speaking about, nor do I have time to reflect on whether or not I'm being a, an absolute creep. Okay, so let me, uh, <laughs> let me ask the obvious question here as the, yeah. the Twitter boycotter myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Why do you two have Twitter accounts? <laughs> <laughs> well, and I've been on it less and less. Yeah. Um, you know, I think one reason why I have a Twitter account is because I am a housewife theologian and it's one way to have community when you are blogging, when you are trying to sell books, um, you want to find some like-minded people to have these conversations going and interact with. I, I do it because can you imagine what it would be like if my thoughts were not on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> I I, I, yeah, hate yeah. To even, I hate to even imagine a world 
where people did not have immediate access to my thoughts. Actually, um, it's been a long time since I've actually written a tweet. I'm, I'm, I'm now just basically forwarding on articles and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's typically. where you share articles mm -hmm. and, you know, I used to look at it kind of as like a bulletin board, a place where you share good articles, where you share your own articles and hope that people will read them and interact with them. And now it's this, it's just, I can't believe how emotional Twitter has become. Right. It really has become the public venting of, yeah. of anger and, and that sort of thing. And, and I get it because, you know, it can feel good for the moment to, to make sure that everybody knows that you're mad about something or someone. Mm -hmm. um, but the, the wisdom in that has to really be uh, thought through. I think there's very little wisdom that ends up being. And, and Carl, you've said it before, uh, in, in terms of trying to, to deal with any kind of complex ideas, Twitter, it's nearly impossible to do that well. Yeah. I mean, I find this you know, teaching in class. I, mm -hmm. I teach some of the core humanities courses at, at Grove City, and uh, we deal, particularly in the, the final level, the upper level course, deal with some pretty complicated stuff there on selfhood, sexuality, these kind of things. Yeah. And I'm giving 50-minute lectures. Mm -hmm. This is 14 weeks, three lectures a week, 50 minutes a pop. Yeah. And still students don't get mm -hmm some of the big ideas I've tried to communicate over 14 weeks right. in three 50-minute lectures a week. Mm. Uh, and, and there are reasons for that. One is some of these ideas, some of these important ideas are complicated. Yeah. Uh, and secondly, communication can be, can be tough. Mm -hmm. uh, trying to communicate nuance. Uh, it's, it's one thing to, to, to speak it out in your lecture. It's another thing for the person to receive it in the way it was intended. It beggars belief that you can deal with these ideas in, was it 140 characters, 280 characters? I don't even know anymore. I mean, it seems to me profoundly counterproductive, mm -hmm. particularly for Christians, to try to engage in discussion of complicated ideas uh, in such a compressed medium. And I would also add, it seems to me highly inappropriate for Christians to be denigrating other people in the way that they do. And we've all done it. You know, mm -hmm. I look back yeah. on my early it's blogging tempting. career. I was capable of drawing blood. And that. But, you know, I look back on some of that stuff now with embarrassment, not with pride. Right. I wish I hadn't done it. Mm -hmm. I think that my life, my ministry, my character would have been better if I hadn't done those things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So these days when I write, I try uh, I can write polemically, but I try not to belittle or denigrate individuals mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. in quite the way that seems to me to be the stock in trade on on Twitter. Well, even if you, you know, there's a time to draw blood, but if blood's being drawn every five seconds, yeah, <laughs> and and I mean, is and, it really? It, it it loses its power. Yeah, and there's and there's definitely a place for polemics, but but typically that edge that that polemical edge ought to be applied to the ideas not to the person now yeah yeah mm -hmm. every once in a while if there's a particular person who not only has bad ideas but proves to be malicious you know uh, you know you, you can call them out um you know uh paul did um but but that shouldn't be the daily pattern the daily diet of yeah of, of our 
yeah, conversation. There's something wrong with somebody who professes to be a Christian who is denigrating somebody every time they touch the keyboard of a mm-hmm. computer. Mm-hmm. And even if, it's the, if, even if that's a person that you vehemently disagree with on very substantial issues, if all you can do is denigrate and belittle people, then mm-hmm. that's a real problem for your Christian profession. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. a well, real problem. There seems like there's fires all over the place. Like everything is a big deal. It's either a 10 mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or it's nothing. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and if, you don't treat, if you don't treat my issue like a 10, then you just don't get it and you're probably a liberal and, you know, yeah. that, that kind of thing. Now, one of the issues that's been interesting because kind of the big issue in Christian Twitter sphere in our kind of broad circles has been the issue of race. Um, and talk about an issue where you need long periods of time for conversation and reading lots of material and and trying to uh, navigate complex thoughts. If 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 there was ever an issue that is not conducive for good Twitter conversation, it would be the current race stuff. You know. Yeah, you could post links to now, longer things that you write absolutely. about. Absolutely, and that was that was my exception. Now I have found helpfully some really good articles mm-hmm. that people have helpfully linked to. And, and that's, that's a good thing. Use it as a resource to mm-hmm. direct people. And, and one person who I think does this really well is um, Neil Shinvey, who is uh, an apologist, and he's been thinking through a lot of matters, particularly connected uh, with critical theory. And he's an example of a guy who is using Twitter, I think, very effectively um, without drawing blood, but he's a rare exception. Now, Robbie George, I think, would be a similar example. Sure. Uh, I mean, Robbie's, uh, I think, a master of Twitter. Generally, he's linking to articles, right. and he's quite capable of putting his opponents down. Oh, yeah. But he usually does it with a slight twinkle in his eye or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, I'd love to be put down by Robbie, to right. be honest, <laughs> right. because you wouldn't come away denigrated. Yeah. I yeah. think you'd come away chastened. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, what's… I could put it that way. As just your regular ordinary, let's say we're talking uh, with regular ordinary local pastors… How would you recommend, you know, should they use Twitter? Should they not use Twitter? What can they gain uh, from it? Uh, how can they help communicate maybe some of these hot button issues in their local congregations? Well, I was just going to say, and this is going to sound really hypocritical. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say it would be better for your emotional health to, to stay off. And that if you want to use social media, which I think is valid, in a lot of ways, if you can be mature, um, use, use the social media that most of the people in your church would be using, like Facebook, to, again, post a, a, a brief encouraging word or link to a helpful article that you would love the people in your church to read mm-hmm. or links to good books or links to good podcasts or links to good sermons. Leverage um, the social media platform that most of the people in your church use as one more way to get them in touch with good, good, solid material. And I try to use Facebook for that. I hear from people almost every week in my church that thank me for a book recommendation or an article that, that I linked to. I would say as a rule of thumb as well, don't do anything that undermines 
the good influence you have with the people you can influence. Yeah. Yeah. Most of us, if you look at our lives, the people we're going to influence are the people we sit next to in the church on a Sunday, the students in our classrooms, the real people we rub shoulders with and interact with. And one of my frustrations over the years has been seeing good Christians who have good things to say actually undermining their ability to influence the people they know through their apparent desperate desire to influence people they don't know and will never actually influence. They're wanting some sort of national platform when really they have a platform already in their locale. And I think that's one of the things to to be wary of is is don't say or do anything uh, on the internet that would weaken your authority, your ability to speak. I'm acutely aware these days when I write, you know, I, I now have a much more diverse student body in terms of mm-hmm. opinions than I had while I was at Westminster. Sure. And I'm, I, I'm conscious now when I write on sexuality issues, there's a few students in my class reading that who don't agree with me. Mm-hmm. And is the way I'm writing about that topic, is it going to gratuitously alienate them? Or is it going to challenge them in a way that, hey, they'll keep talking to me instead yeah. of going and talking to them, right. <laughs> you know, the other side? So I think that, you know, bear that in mind. Use, use wisdom when, you, when you're tweeting, when you're writing in the public sphere to do mm-hmm. so in a way that, that doesn't undermine your ability to speak to the people that you actually have contact. Right. And I think so often in terms of communication and influence, we have a choice to make, which is... Either I can say just exactly what I want to say in exactly the way I feel like saying it in the moment, or I can have influence, Hmm. which means I I may have to take a lot longer than I would want to, to say it. I may not be able to say it in exactly the way I feel like saying it in the moment, Mm -hmm. but, but if I, if I take more time and have more patience and exercise more grace, then then the chances are greatly increased that I'll actually have more influence in that way. It doesn't mean you back away from the truth. It means that you're wise to your audience and have a genuine desire to entice them with the truth rather than drive them away. And I think that's one way social media can be helpful for pastors. Mine's not on Twitter, but he, he did this little stint on our Wednesday night studies where he was hitting some hot button issues in our culture for Christians right now. And, uh, you know, the transgender stuff, um, race, you know, things like that. Um, how, you know, hospitality to di- different types of people who come in our church and um, are we really welcoming to them? Things like that. And um, I think you can gain from social media, like what your congregants are thinking through right now. Yep. Yep. And so, and then you can maybe take that conversation and lead that in a discussion in your church. So um, I think that's yeah. one, one way they can use social media well. Yeah. I mean, what you just mentioned, Amy, I've found to be true as well, which is um, uh, following social media because so many people are on it in some ways helps you keep a finger on the pulse of what the people in your church are actually thinking. Yeah. What are they thinking? What are they wrestling with? Or what they've been through. I find, about, I find out very often about health issues on social media before we hear about it in the church office. Yeah. yeah. So there's a whole, there's all kinds of ways that that social media platform can be leveraged for good. 
Um, but because of a lot of the ugliness, and I, and I find this to be more true of Twitter than Facebook, because of a lot of uh, that, that ugliness that's on a lot of it, it, it can be really toxic and, and disheartening. On a related topic, and I say it's a related topic because I see all of these things on Twitter and Facebook, mm-hmm. um, is this whole idea of uh, ministers and uh, self-promotion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so that that that's a whole topic in and of itself. Ministers who are constantly engaging in self promotion. Two things came to mind just over the last couple of weeks, and and one of them is this: is that this idea of of the the self promotion of the minister who left his last church in ministry in utter shambles because of his own bad behavior and sin, and now lo and behold is coming on strong, man, they've got a new church or they've launched a new ministry and they're all about grace now because, you know, they finally get it or, or whatever the message happens. I can hear the LL Cool J song just playing in the background. <laughs> who's, who's LL Cool J? Oh, I'm going to knock you out. I'm, no, don't call it a comeback. I, I'm going to knock you out. Yes, Mama said knock you out. <laughs> I have I'm no idea. But it's the line, don't call it a comeback. <laughs> yeah, I know. I did, but, I've, I've heard of M- MC Hammer. It was just oh, cool yeah, that's great, Carl. You, you, are, you are hip, way better, brother. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so I, I, one of the things that brought this to mind is I found, again, promoted heavily a couple weeks ago through social media, um, some interviews that Ed Stetzer is posting through Christianity Today with a very well-known, you know, Gospel Coalition-y uh, pastor of a big mega church in the Midwest um, who, you know, just kind of wrecked a lot of stuff and had to leave the ministry. And now he's posting a series of interviews and the guy's preaching again. And, you know, it just made me, it, it just got all of these things going in my mind and in my heart about the propriety of, of this sort of thing. I'm not, I don't think any of us say, obviously, that a minister has to be uh, perfect or to have reached a, a stage of, of of complete sanctification, but but when you when you do a lot of damage, when you wreck a church, or 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 when your your reputation is so severely hurt because of uh, years long patterns of of sin, abusive behavior, you know that that kind of thing. You know these kinds of rushing back into ministry, and yeah, I do consider two years away for a guy who's done a ton of damage rushing back into ministry. It just is, as I see this stuff plastered across Twitter and Facebook, it just makes me really sad and, and frustrated. Yeah. It seems to me you're potentially setting yourself up for another fall. Right. I mean, I, I think I read the first one of those interviews you sent me and it's sort of, there's no point complaining about the problems of the celebrity culture. Right as you yourself capitalize on that celebrity culture for your comeback. So in all of the social media platforms, I just, I've been seeing these and it's not just the one guy, um, but it's several guys, you know, who have been making these kind of big comebacks and Ed Stetzer uh, Christianity today interviewed. Uh, I was doing a series of interviews uh, dealing with a, uh, a well-known, you know, former council member of gospel coalition, big mega church pastor, acts 29 guy, um, who had to leave his church. I'm pretty sure it was not over the issue of adultery, but it was just lots of real abusive behavior and um, various issues, you know, just 
hurting a lot of people, spiritual abuse, authoritarianism, et cetera, et cetera. And, um, you know, now he's preaching again in a large church. And, uh, you know, it just, it just kind of grieves me. None of us would say that, you know, a pastor has to have reached perfect sanctification. But, but when you leave so much wreckage behind you, and then within a year or two, you're back in the pulpit preaching somewhere else. There's a problem with that. Yeah, I think there's also a problem with using the uh, using the methods of the celebrity culture right. to decry the problems of the celebrity culture. Right. I mean, part of this pastor shtick is that that he was brought down by by the celebrity culture. Well. Yeah. Don't want to say I told you so, but some of us were critiquing it from the word go, and all we right. got was slapped around by right. the very some of the people same guys. Who are now, right. Yeah, by the same guys. Mm -hmm. But even setting that aside, why would your restoration not be a, a relatively private thing? Yes. Why would it? It seems to me that you may be doing this with the best intentions in the world, mm -hmm. but you are immediately exposing yourself to precisely the same temptations of being a big shot, of being a player, of being the person that everyone admires. Right. Uh, you're exposing yourself to precisely the same temptations in the very act of saying, oh, these temptations did a lot of damage to me and you need to avoid them. seems to me you need to be consistent and you need to be wise on this issue. Uh, either it's about you and your public platform or it isn't. And if it isn't right. about you and your public platform, do it privately, modestly. Right. So, so Carl, you make you make mention of the of the celebrity thing because that that first interview. The ironic thing about it was that you know this pastor now who's preaching again at a big church, um, you know, talked about the dangers of celebrity culture and the irony. I'm I'm so, I, I I got really frustrated with it because again, um, Ed Stetzer's interviewing this guy precisely because he's a celebrity. Um, he wouldn't be interviewing a guy who pastored a, a hundred member church who caused all kinds of damage. He would never was, get a comeback. Exactly. Yeah. That yeah. guy would never get the comeback. But, but the, you know, the guy who's too big to fail, yeah. you've got to make sure. It's that self-importance again, too. Right. Like right. his comeback is important because it's almost like God needs him. Oh, <laughs> the yeah. Well, the him. church. Oh, yes. Their gifts are so, th their gifts are so prodigious that we just can't do yeah. without them. And, you know, I just, I want so bad to see the, the big name pastor who takes a nosedive, um, uh, harms the reputation of Christ, harms the reputation of the church to be quietly restored so that years later, we're still trying to figure out where he is. Yeah. Yeah. He's church planting in North Dakota or something. Yeah. Or, yeah. or, 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 you know, s selling insurance and being a faithful layperson. Yeah. But you know, even more egregious than that example you brought up, Todd, are the examples. We, we had a couple of these recently, the high profile guys who've been caught in pretty catastrophic sin. Yes. Yeah. And have then used their sin. They parlayed that mm -hmm. into the kind of great restoration story right. and they're now available for public speaking mm -hmm. again, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. I want to say to those guys, sit down, shut up and go away. Right. Get yourself a proper job. Yeah, we're drawing pay, blood. pay yeah. taxes, get yeah. a proper job. We don't want to hear from you again. Mm -hmm. Be a good member of your local church, right. serve on the toilet cleaning roster or something. Right. Right. We don't want you 
as a public speaker. We don't want you parlaying your adultery or your drunkenness or whatever into the greatest you know, comeback since the resurrection. Right. right. We don't want that. We don't need that. And you call into question by doing that thing, the genuineness of your repentance, because Absolutely. it doesn't seem that you understand quite how far you fell. Right. Exactly. And to the Facebook crowd and the Twitter crowd that would say in response to that, oh, well, don't you believe in grace? Don't you Absolutely believe, believe God forgives? Grace. Absolutely believe in grace. Uh -huh. But I do not believe that uh, restoration to fellowship is the same as restoration to office and authority. Right. They're two distinct things. They're distinct in scripture. They're distinct in the church today. Yes, the adulterer, the murderer mm -hmm. can be restored to fellowship in the church. But whether the adulterer should ever stand in a pulpit or, or stand in any position of, of, of teaching, de facto teaching authority uh, within the church is, is an entirely different question. Mm -hmm. right. I think part of the draw for people is, you know, with the celebrity culture of it, is the drama. Mm -hmm. You know, just getting sucked into this person's story and, and now needing to continue to follow yeah. the story. It's like Twitter National Enquirer or something. And I think it, it's a result of that false intimacy that social mm -hmm. media creates so that yeah. I feel a connection to this person. You know, who, you know, he's one of my Facebook friends. Now, we'll never meet, but he's one of my Facebook friends or I follow him on Twitter. And so therefore, well, there's a and, kind of you know, life. let's say you've heard a sermon given by them or read a book and it moved you, you know, maybe right. it was a stepping stone for you in right. some way or another. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, and, and so there's so, emo an emotional connection, which emotional. itself might be legitimate, mm -hmm. but it's undiscerning. Yeah. 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 And that's the nuance again that you have to have. Like, we can't sit, look back and say nothing that they have taught has been good. Right. I mean, right. it's the very fact that they've, you know, had so many moving teachings mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. that has made them so influential right. in the broader evangelical community right. Right. and which makes their fall um, even more harmful. Exactly. And you can be grateful. You can be grateful for their teaching and grateful yes. for the way they've helped you yes. without having to see that as, as requiring mm -hmm. their restoration. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I would say to, to the person that says that's, that, that's ungracious, I would say, you know what? I think the grace would really be seen in this person's ability to repent properly and then to live a different kind of life from there on out, that they'd be able to say, you know what, I've disqualified myself from this particular kind of service, and now I'm going to serve humbly as, as, a, as a layman in a church. I'm, I'm going I'm to serve my church. Maybe one day I'll teach Sunday school, but I'm going to serve I'm just going to serve my church as a layman. To me, that's evidence of real grace because what's happened at that point is a kind of transformation of heart mm -hmm. that God brings. Yeah. And that's what we need to see. Yeah. That's what we need to see. Well, um, thanks for uh, joining us uh, today on Mortification of Spin. Um, we hope that all of us together uh, will, uh, will be wise in the way that we uh, communicate and use social media and think about our relationships. Uh, if, if you have a chance, uh, visit our website, mortificationofspin.org, and uh, you can enter to win a copy of a wonderful little commentary by uh, Alec Matier on the book of James. Um, uh, 
Dr. Matir is an excellent, excellent uh, writer and commentator on scripture, and his little commentary on James uh, from InterVarsity Press is a gem, and uh, it addresses some of these very things. The, you know, it's, it's, it's the New Testament's wisdom literature, and so we would love for you to, uh, to enter to win a copy. So we hope that you'll uh, visit our, our website, uh, enter to win a copy of that wonderful book. And while you're there, remember that we are a uh, listener-supported uh, podcast. And if you're able to make any contribution to the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals, we sure would appreciate that. Thank you for listening to us today, and we'll talk to you next time. Come on, man. And with the local DBC News, LQJ with the Twins and Comeback. Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. To read more on hard-hitting topics like this, visit the podcast page and blog at mortificationofspin.org, where we'll have links and other articles from Amy, Carl, and Todd. And while you're there, please subscribe and consider making a donation. And be sure to listen next time when Carl, Todd, and Amy talk about... I'm persuaded by those commentators who see the thing that Elihu lacks as being his compassion for Job, that Elihu gives the true answer about the transcendent God, and yet you never get any sense that he feels for the suffering of Job. That interview is next time. Join us then. It's a substantial leak. Okay. <laughs> Suggestion? It looks like Todd's also yeah. playing the housewife today. Yeah. Yes. Now, the, the, the unit's older than that. This yeah. could definitely be an outtake, I think. <laughs> Particularly the reference to a substantial leak there is very ambiguous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> right. Oh, man. Okay. And can we replace it through y'all? You okay. certainly can. Um, uh, okay. Um, yeah, well, if It'll I could be just five thousand dollars in, in terms of what that would cost, thousand dollars cash, Todd, and it's yours. Okay. <laughs> Great. Oh man. Great. Pleasure. Nothing, Thanks. Carl. We're nothing. Pleasure doing business with you. <laughs> this is this has been fun, hasn't it? I was almost done, and then Carl started laughing. Um. <laughs> So how much of that do I have to redo? I think all you have to redo is to, just to sign off. Okay. Okay. Carl, can you make it through this one? <laughs> yeah. Because I, I hate being it. interrupted. Says the man who interrupts <laughs> me every time I try to start anything. <laughs>